I'm rolling. Yes. I'm rolling too. Rolling cool. We're rolling down the river. Oh man. As they say. Rolling. 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 Man, we got some proud Mary going on here at the beginning of I our know. movie podcast. Oh well. Uh, uh, yeah. It's well, you know, it's you know, it's, it's it's the arts. We love the arts. Um, Very true. But uh, we are back here for another episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. I'm Stephen Billings, and once again, as always, with my uh, my confidant, my 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 movie friend, my right. you know many. I could go through many names, but his name is Andrew Cabral. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, doing good. Co-host in arms was something that came to ah, mind, yes. but uh, I guess any any terms of endearment will work. Sure. I'll tell you, I accept them all. Yeah. No, no bias here. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you didn't watch last week's or listen to last week's, uh, you know, you know what uh, today's subject is. It is we are talking about the Japanese film uh, from 1953, Ugetsu. Um, yes, and, Ugetsu. And, uh, you know, we'll be getting into that very soon. But up top, we got some news, some news that we want to share with you that will pertain to the future of this podcast. Um, yes, some podcasting podcasting news. Yeah, podcasting news. Now, don't get afraid. We're not. We're not. We're not done. If you're really like you're about that, you think you're like upset. You're like getting sweats. The, the people that actually like listening did, to us. Um, did you ever get that? Yeah. Do you ever like get a sense of dread when you're like when someone's got a special announcement for some, you know, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's a podcast. You, you always or just in general, somebody's like, I, I need to talk to you about something, you know, and you like I know, I you start to, you start to get we upset. Get, you we, go, got, we got to talk when you get a chance. Yeah, right, you know, yeah, I hate that when somebody's like, hey, you know, can I call you later? Like, I got something to talk to you about. I hate that. Just tell me now. I hate that shit. I know. What could it, what could it possibly be? But right now we're could holding be, off. Could we're, be anything. we're doing it to our audience because we're we're holding off what we're saying. We're, we're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, me and Andrew, we, we're always – you know, trying to think of ways to um, to be better as podcasters, you know, and we want to, you know, we keep reevalu. Usually every year we reevaluate ourselves to see what we can do differently. Uh, when we did cinema, when we started Cinema Discovery Project almost, it's a little over two years ago. Um, you know, we started out the podcast as a very broad podcast uh, talking about many, many subjects on film, you know, um, and as a, a, then about a year in we decided we wanted to do more focused episodes on just specific films um and that and that's something that we you know we got comfortable doing and and uh we still love doing it um but uh as our interests as 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 we've reevaluated and um just you know started thinking about what was the thing that we could really give the most passion to um, the thing that we kind of already kind of sprinkle into the podcast we do already and also kind of fold in what we do already into something new. Um, so almost a phoenix rising out of the ashes uh, deal here with something brand new that gives you us, but also I think a refocus on something else that we really love, we have a pa- big passion for, which is physical media. Um, so... Without further ado, we, we, we are deciding we're going to kind of rebrand this this podcast feed, and we are going to now start doing a new show, um, and it's going to be called Chasing Labels. And if you don't understand that legal that uh, lingo, um, 
you know, when we talk about labels, we're talking about boutique labels, uh, which is, you know, the physical media um, labels that we kind of buy most of our stuff from, whether it be Criterion Collection, Aero Video, Kino, there's, there's tons of them. And, you know, me and Andrew, we talk about it all the time, how much we love physical media. And, and uh, we feel like, um, you know, not only can we be getting into something uh, current, but also, you know, we can focus in on thing, you know, Blu-ray releases and things like that. Things that we're very uh, engaged in all the time, and um, we feel like that that's where our energy is best used um, going forward. So, you know, what do you think about this news? Do you are you excited for this, Andrew? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're doing all the talking. Well, yeah, because it was yeah. it, it is Steven's brainchild. For those of you who want a well, yeah. a peek behind the scenes, sure, yeah. um, to a certain extent. Obviously, you know, like I always discuss it with him, but it's something I came up with that I thought would be good moving forward, you know. Right. Um, yeah, we collaborated upon what what, you know, in which direction to take the podcast in some things. I mean, the heart of the podcast will probably never change. It's, it's going to be us talking about movies. That's the whole that's the whole point of this whole sure. thing. Um, but I guess I guess the context around it will change slightly. Instead of doing super duper duper deep dives into movies, we'll be talking specifically about you know the physical media brand of movies and specifically movie collecting. I mean, a movie fandom and movie collecting seem to have gone hand in hand now for years. Um, I think most specifically for Stephen and I. I mean, it's something that is very much a big part of our lives so in a way we're integrating the podcast even more within our lives uh in terms of what we're just doing normally anyways and that is buying buying movies and different from different labels yeah. as as the title of the podcast will will say and talking about them every time i talk to steven we're always talking about the new stuff we get from this place from that place um, different editions that are out there, different editions that are coming up for certain movies. And and in a way, we can integrate that into the show as well as talking about the movies themselves. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes it's, somet- sometimes it's movies that we've already seen and we're getting uh, better or newer or for the first time editions of, or it's uh, brand new movies that we've never seen before. I know Steven tends to buy a lot more stuff that he's not familiar with, while I tend to stay with stuff I'm more familiar with. Just, that just yeah, seems I mean, to be and, and it's something It's something <laughs> we'll get into with the new show, you know, probably even right off the bat, um, you know, talking about our collecting habits, you know, and, and uh, we where we, this is where we both kind of differ, you know, and, you know, where we, you know, he tends to be more, um, you know, you could say more conservative, you know, he, he, he picks the things that he likes and he knows when I'm a little bit more um, uh, cavalier. cavalier. Yeah, I'm a little bit more Wild West. Uh, and I'll very much. Yeah, so. I'll go and buy things I've never seen and, and, and even things I know probably won't even be that good. But there's a certain maybe relevance to them in another way that I respect that I I wanted in my collection. Um, yeah. yeah, and we'll also talk about how sometimes, you know, the movies themselves may not be the best, but the additions that they come in are amazing. Can be amazing. Yeah. I mean that 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 oftentimes happens. But, but that comes that I, comes with a, a point of view on how you look at cinema in general. You know, very true. you know, and how you approach your personal 
movie fandom. You're, you, you know, you know like what, yeah, your collection shows a lot about your taste. Yeah, yeah, you know. like yeah, actually, very, very true. I have mo- just thinking about that. I have mostly dramas and mostly like serious movies versus like comedy. Yeah, like I don't buy that many comedy movies just in general. I I don't know why that just always seems to be the trend. Yeah. Now that I look at my collection here around, yeah, me. but let's not let's not start a fr- yeah. Let's, let's not dwell on this right now. We're yeah. just saying that it's going to be changing the name of the podcast, but we're we're still going to be talking about movies. Yeah, it's 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 just not you know the you know the the one main thing that kind of uh, brought me to the realization that I wanted to to make a change was uh, was just you know that a lot of people do what we already have been doing, which is you know reviewing movies. On a, on a deep scale, and, you know, we were picking movies more obscure, and not everybody was always looking at, but, you know, I, I wanted to get away from something that se- that would be so easy, you know, like, it, like, it, I don't want us to rest on our laurels, I want to, I want to take, I want the pod, doing the podcast to be more than just, you know, going off of just base knowledge, I want, I want to be able to, you know, expand my horizons a little more, and also, you know, I think, um, there's just, also, uh, an in, you know, inherent. Uh, this actually makes things also at the same time easier because it's inherent in what we do already. You know, so pretty much. You know, yeah, yeah. it's going to be easier for us to. Um, I don't want the podcast to become homework, a chore. Just put it that way. I'm looking out. I'm looking out. Looking out for the future of my of how I feel in doing this podcast, and I know that doing this type of show, I think, will keep me excited every week or every other week depending on how frequent this but it'll still be a every other week podcast um right but if things get you know better you know if things are moving good maybe it'll get more than that we'll see but um, um there's always new releases coming out we'll be t- doing that we'll be talking about new releases you know uh, you know maybe some new blu-rays we've recently gotten we'll probably do some blu-ray reviews but we'll get more into that when we do our first episode which will be the next episode we post You'll start to see all the all the platforms that we have our stuff changing everything over to the new title of Chasing Labels. So get excited for that. Let us know what you think of that idea. Um, but now that we're past that announcement, we're going to do our kind of final episode, I guess you could say, of the Cinema Discovery Project um, in in this in this name, um, and that will be on the. As I said, 1953 Japanese film Ugetsu that was chosen by Andrew. So, Very why true. did you choose this it, one, Andrew? It was uh, one because I typically do <laughs> what I uh, normally do and completely forget to choose the movie before the show. So I just I panic search during the middle yeah. of the show and pick a movie. So I went to my letterbox and looked at the highest rated films I have and <laughs> saw what looked good. Um, and I don't know, it just feels like. A movie that I just wanted to talk about. It was also a movie that Steven had never seen before up yeah. until now. And I don't know if he's ever seen a um, a film by this director of Kenji, Kenji Mizuguchi. I, I've seen Sancho the Bailiff. Um, it's okay. been a while, though, but I've seen that one. That's, that's the only one I think I've seen of his. Yeah, and he's another director that was introduced to me through the Criterion Collection, yeah. coincidentally, um, that we talk about chasing labels. Um, and... As many, many, uh, I would say, uh, foreign language directors or international language directors, uh, that I was introduced uh, to him through uh, through the Criterion Collection, but also kind of just blind buying 
his movie just based off of represent uh, reputation and based off of what people were saying. Yeah. I would just look at like, hey, what are people buying when it comes to the Criterion Collection back when I was first time collecting? And <laughs> everyone, was, everybody, everyone was buying Sancho the Bailiff at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll buy Sancho the Bailiff. And I watched the movie and I'm like, this movie's amazing. Mm-hmm. Let me let me see what else uh, he's got. So, you know, they've been, they've been steadily releasing a couple of his movies over the last couple of years. Sancho the Bailiff, Life of Oharu, um... Uh, this movie Ugetsu, and I want to say I always get I always forget the title of this movie, so I have to look it up. But I think it's like um, Story of Chikamatsu or something like that. Um, yeah, a Story of Chikamatsu. I was right. Damn, I'm, damn, damn, damn my mind you're good. is mind is better than I thought it was. <laughs> but he's got a bunch of stuff there. He has a whole Eclipse set called Kenji Mizu- Kenji Mizuguchi's Fallen Women, which is coincidentally another theme in this movie yeah. um, is the idea of fallen women which I thought was very interesting and I've seen a couple of those movies um, I want to say on Filmstruck a few years ago or maybe even the Criterion Channel um, but that's the set that I want to get but he only there's only one, two, three four Blu-ray um, no five Blu-rays one I didn't mention is the story the story of the last chrysanthemum which I do have as well but anywho Ugetsu of all the films I've seen of Ugetsu, of Mizuguchi so far, Ugetsu Ugetsu seems to be the less the le- the least pessimistic one. <laughs> His movies tend to be very pessimistic when it comes to the outlook on life and seem to be very dour and just very you know heavy dramatic films that, but by the time you leave it you leave the film it's not exactly. Not exactly an upper, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Not exactly a positive movie to, oh, wow, what a great movie. <laughs> I feel so optimistic about life now. That's not really his style. And Uketsu um, may actually be the lighter of, of his yeah, films gonna, dealing with all that you've stuff. You've seen more of his movies, <laughs> but I was going to say, even this movie doesn't isn't really like... Again, this movie's not exactly optimistic. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, really it's about running its characters through the ringer. Um, Pretty much. But, uh, Psycho- psychological and physical ringer. Yeah. Uh, but this film is actually based on a book from uh, the 18th century of the same name, um, which I think it's called like uh, Tales of Ugetsu, the Tales of Wave After the Rain Moon. Um, and I think it's also called Ugetsu Monogatari. But he basically took two stories from this, I believe, anthology type book, and he based the movie off of them. And the two the two ones that he drew from was a was one called um, the house in the thicket and the lust of the lust of the white serpent, which is a great title. It's a yeah, great yeah. title. That um, sounds like a that but, sounds like a white snake album. It really does. <laughs> it really does. It does sound like a great album title. Um, but I guess we'll just get get into it right away. Um, but I'll, but I would say Kenji Mizuguchi um, is a great Japanese director. I think um, he's he's held up as one of the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get talked about, I think, as much. I always think of like Ozu and Kurosawa get top. And then there's like, always. and then there's like Kobayashi is down a yeah. little bit, and then there's like Mizuguchi's like right there with Kobayashi, I think. You know, like yes. And then, but um, he actually passed away in nineteen. Uh, when did he pass? Nineteen fifty-eight, I believe, at fifty-six oh, years so old. So he was cut short, man. No, he passed away in nineteen fifty-six at fifty-eight years wow. old. I had that so reversed. three years later, he was this. Yeah. Yeah, so three years later, this may have been. It's one of his last. Um, it has to be. It's one. not. It's not his last film, 
It's actually his like that one, two, three, four, five, six, like eighth to last film. Jeez. Coincidentally, he did this film right after the life of Oharu, and coincidentally, the, the success of that movie is kind of what got him uh, the ability to do this movie. Apparently, I was reading that the life of Oharu was so successful that I think uh, Nagisa Oshima basically got him to make a movie with his production company, and he basically gave him complete in a carte blanche, like mate, you can make whatever movie you want. You know, you don't have to, you know, like be beholden to the studio or something like that. Uh, Nagisa Oshima is another Japanese, great Japanese director um, from the from from that time. Uh, and yeah, so he made Sancho the Bailiff after this. He made a story from Chikamatsu after this. That movie is depressing as hell. <laughs> and then the last movie he ever did was called Street of Shame, which I believe I've seen. I think it's part of that uh, that Eclipse set from Criterion. Okay. Dealing with um, fallen women, or you know, prostitutes, if you will, uh, which is a, a an interesting theme in this film, in Ugetsu. But we'll get to it. So I guess we'll just dive right yep. in. There's going to be spoiler spoiler tastic here. So yeah. watch out. And this movie's only like 96 minutes long. Yeah, so it's, it's really concise. It's a, it's a good it's a good watch if you, if you're getting into uh, Mizuguchi. This might be a good starting place. You think? Yeah, I think it's his most manageable film. Yeah. Like I said, from. Uh, from a from a thematic standpoint, because everything's kind of laid out pretty well. Yeah, everything's laid out really well, and also, like I said, the runtime's like 96, 97 minutes. It's not long at all. Yeah. And but what, what's also really cool is the is even though it's that short, every single scene is important, and every single scene just pushes everything forward. Yeah. It's really well paced. Definitely. So g- getting into the movie, it is a period piece. It's set in 16th century in, um, um, in yeah, 16th century feudal Japan. I want to say. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, there's civil war going on. Um, and yeah, there's all kind of civil wars happening. It's it's set in the Azuchi, um, oh boy, Momo, Momoyama <laughs> period, which was the period from 1573 to 1600, and it's so we're talking. It's a period piece, obviously. So, so it's. It's um, yeah. It's so we start out with, I believe, our and this film has a few characters in it, and we'll get into it as the story goes along. Um, our main character, you could say, is Genjuro, and he is a potter. He makes pottery, and these uh, and he lives in like the, this film like kind of revolves around like like farmers and peasants and people who are just like trying to live and survive. Yeah. It's a very, you know, interesting look at people like that. It's not about royalty, it's not about government officials, it's, it's not about it's not a, it's it's not not a really, samurai movie, you know. It's not a samurai movie although there are samurais in yeah. it. It it's very deglamorized when it comes to that whole era which I guess a lot of kind of samurai films kind of, I wouldn't say glorify that era, but they show like, hey, it's kind of cool to be a samurai. This movie doesn't really show no, that it's cool to be a samurai. No. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there there are there are some, definitely some, you know, filmmakers that have done samurai movies. Like, like for instance, I, I bring up Kobayashi, you know, we talk about Harakiri. I mean, that's a movie right. about, you know, how the establishment of samurai are kind of, can be kind of evil, 
you know it's not 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 glorifying samurai and yeah the the bureaucracy of it all yeah and in, and in and, this film, samurai are kind of like the upper class, the bullies. They're kind of the bullies of uh, of the working class. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting because there are there's different. I mean, this is a whole of course, there's different clans, there's different class. Yeah, there's different classes of samurai. I would say, you know, there are people who are there are like you said, like the hired samurai, the people who are you know like higher up, you know, aristocratic. You could say, not really, but they work for really wealthy people and they make a lot of money. Yeah. Then you have like Ronin, who are like traveling samurai, like someone like Zatoichi. Yeah. If you know Zatoichi, the blind swordsman, he's a Ronin. He just travels around and stuff. Um, and but those seem to be most of the samurai. They don't have the luxurious armor or the cool ass armor that you see some samurai yeah. have. Uh, they mostly just travel around with the sword. Uh, I think of like uh, Yusagi Yojimbo, that that comic book, um, stuff like that. But anywho, that's the that that's that. So we start off um, with like, like I said, uh, Genjiro, who is like a potter, a peasant, farmer, and and they and he lives like kind of like far out. You would say like far out in the woods. Let's just say they're in the countryside. They're in the suburbs of uh, Japan. I would say more rural than suburbs. They're like in the mountains, basically. An equivalent (laughs) to, you know, today's standards. It's like you're living in the country suburbs. There's village. It's a village. countryside. It's a village, you know. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, there's like a really small village, but he does pottery on the side, and I believe the film starts out with him. uh, He's about to go to town to sell... Sell his pottery. Yeah, him, he he is on his. He's got his wagon loaded up. His wife, yeah, is, wagon all loaded Wife up. is kind of like uh, you know worried about him because the civil war is getting closer and closer to where they live. Um, yes. So she's doesn't really want him to go, but knows that it's necessary. And what you get off the bat here is that his character um, is very much. I mean, he's definitely entrepreneurial. You know, he wants to provide, right. but. It seems like maybe that he's a little bit too um, invested in just. It's like he he. It's all he cares about is making money, you know. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I think that becomes even more prevalent yeah. a little slightly later sure. on. But right away, it seems rather innocent. I, you know, I, I mean, guess, we're yeah. gradually we're gradually building towards um, a greedy psychosis, if you yeah. will. <laughs> and he is so he's on his way to leave. Like his wife's name is Miyagi. I did learn that they have a they have a small son, um, not small son, but they have a young son who I don't know is probably, probably four or five elementary school four age, or five years yeah, old, something like that. Maybe a little older than that. I don't know, but um, but he's leaving her to go sell to make money, and but who accompanies him is his uh, ne'er do well uh, neighbor friend man. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is an uh, interesting character. His name is to- um, Tobey. And he decides that he's gonna he's gonna go there because he he wants to be he wants to buy armor and be a samurai and he's got lofty goals for somebody who really doesn't have much in the way of social movement well, yeah. in his life. It, feel, it feels like <laughs> you know it feels I mean? like he's not a. I mean, he he he's ambitious to become a samurai. It's like it's like, um, but he all he sees is what what it's like the people today that look at people that have money and don't want to don't know about the work that people, it takes yeah. to become that thing so he just wants what samurai have but doesn't understand what it means to get to become that thing 
Yeah, uh, he, you know, he just thinks you can just put on armor and have it and have a spear and you're like a and then you're all set. You're, you're good, you know. That makes you. But his wife, yeah. yeah, and his wife doesn't want him want him to leave because because she she knows that he's obliviously, um, oblivious to what it r- really takes. Yeah. Like she thinks that he's just doing it to duck his responsibilities. Yeah, as of, of being. Uh, being a husband she, and she stuff knows, like that. She knows him better than he knows <clears throat> himself. You know, like it's... Yes. Yeah. And he's constantly, for lack of a better term, effing up throughout this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's constantly, constantly doing that. So they go to... So they... So he he's a, he pulls the car and the guy in Gunjuro uh, stay, stays behind so the stuff doesn't fall out. Anywho, we don't actually see them go to the... the um, the bigger city, not a city, but like bigger village or the place to sell the sell the wares. Um, but we do see, but we do see when he when Genjiro returns, and Genjiro returns, and apparently he's been very successful. He's got like silver pieces in his hand, and he's and he's like super happy, and and everything seems to be going well. This movie starts out very optimistic, yeah, and then does take very a lot of dark turns later on. And, but now, now that he's gotten this little bit of taste of success, he wants so much more. And as Steven says, he, he becomes greedy for it. He wants it desperately. Yeah, I mean, he, he buys her like, you know, it's, it, like you said, it is innocent, but you can tell that, you know, he's not understanding the value of what he's doing. He's, um, you know, it's good to provide for your family and to get them nice things, but it shouldn't be like the goal. Like um, it should be about being happy, which is what his wife is very much. You know, all she wants mm-hmm. is to just be with his his uh, her husband. You know, there's a scene right after this. You know, he he buys her things. They're eating dinner. Uh, everything. Every- well, I, I I yeah, I want to talk about the scene uh, before I cut. I didn't mean to cut you it's off, okay. but. It's the scene where she's turning. The well, lead. that's where I was heading at. Oh, is that what yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's they 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 eat dinner and everybody's happy. Everybody's she's she's in love with her husband. You know everything's great, but ne- then he's like, "Well, I need to I need to make more. I need to go back to work. I need to get back to work." So you there's a scene where she helps him spin the pottery wheel, and uh, their son keeps kind of like wanting to be involved, but he's you know. He's, getting, he's getting annoyed by his son, so he like yells at him to leave. And basically, her his wife is like, you know, you're not the same person. You know, you're not doing. She recognizes that he's not doing this for the right reasons, and she's, you know, she's like, I just want, I just want to be happy. I just want you to be here. I just want you to be a kind person. You know. Yeah, he becomes obsessed with make. He's like, oh, we're never gonna finish this if he keeps getting in the way. You know, just you know get the kid out of here and he's just becoming up super obsessed with working constantly to make as many you know pots and cups and plates and vases and all kinds of stuff in order for him to sell to make more money because he's gotten a taste of that success already and he's kind of addicted to it and he really and he really just you know, can't help himself. He becomes like almost drunk on his greed. And so he sets up, but he also enlists his friend to help him out in terms of like loading up the kiln. I think they call it a kiln, basically a giant oven that they're going to cook these pots. And so that they harden up because the pots, you know, when you form them from the clay are still wet and malleable and you can still 
and they're not quite fully formed yet. You gotta basically well, you they gotta lay cook them out. Them. <laughs> they lay them out in the sun to get somewhat yes. hard, and then after that, then they put them. And in that the oven. gets them hard enough yeah. to put them in the the kiln. So he says, he says, so his friends like, you know, hey, since I'm helping you out, do I do I get a cut of the profits? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, you get you get a third. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, a third, all right. That's, uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy that armor. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And he does so he loads up the kiln. And basically, all of this happens in the first thirty minutes of the movie, so we're not really skipping over anything too too big here. And he, they load it up, and they're they're putting the fire, they're keeping the fire going, they're putting the firewood inside. And what happens is that army that they were worried was going to come ends up showing yeah. up in the middle of the night, at the worst possible time. It's the Shibata uh, Katsuyi's army. That's what they're called. And what happens is they. They're sweeping through the village and they're just like they're 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 just trashing the place. Yeah, I mean they're, they're taking raiding take, the place. They're stealing yeah, shit. Yeah, taking food, raping women. You yeah, know. it's it's pretty pretty terrible shit. I mean, it's it it is the time in which this, this stuff took place. This stuff did happen a lot, and we see it. Ha- we we don't see it graphically happen. No. He show Mizuguchi shows it's implied. It's to, implied to where we're like this is obviously what is going yeah, on. Yeah, um, and. Basically, everybody's scrambling and just and just and they're retreating to the mountainside. Well, what they do and is that's that, where is, they're going to go hide. Is they store the, the the pots and things into the oven to make sure they keep doing their thing, getting harder. Um, and then they kind of, like you said, run away um, and evacuate. Yeah, they yeah. evacuate the village, <clears throat> and so they try to. I, don't they try to make their way? No. Well, they go. You know, they go to that mount. They go to that mountain. Yes, and then yeah. Gen- and then Genjiro, um, is going. He wants to go back to check on the kill. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, oh, if that fire went out, it's going to be ruined. Yeah, this batch is going to be ruined. We can't, we can't ruin this batch. Initially, he wanted to stay. Yeah, he wanted to stay, and his wife's like, no, you, you can't stay. You're going to get killed. Yeah. and we and and then, but what Mizuguchi does is he intercuts like their frantic, like, like desperation of trying to leave with like the soldiers like uh like they're uh, the soldiers like barging into places yeah. and with the soldiers soldiers apparently taking they're taking men to work and they're basically just taking women literally like we just said and and it's and so there, there's a there's a lot of cross-cutting happening a lot of confusion yeah. happening within that scene and it's really good so he wants to stay but his wife convinces them not to so they they leave and then he goes back to check up on it and yeah, like right before he gets there, the, they get to their house and you know realize that there's nothing there but pots. So then they just oh yeah, yeah they do yeah. yeah their soldiers show up and they open up the kiln yeah and they just like yeah it's just pots it's nothing yeah, <laughs> they yeah. just leave it there. But he yeah he's like hiding out and then he and then he goes and checks on the pots. He's like and then he sees the the fire is out and it's like damn it's ruined. He thinks it's ruined, but then he checks and apparently no they're done. Yeah. So he starts unloading them, and then at this point, his wife is there, as well as um, as well as the neighbors, uh, who is Ohama and Tobei, like I mentioned. His son, his name is also uh, Jinichi, as well. But I think he may he may have. St- I think Jinichi stayed behind with Ohama, and I think it's just Tobei, um, uh, Miyagi, and Genjuro are there, and basically they say. Well, we can still get this to the market, yeah. but they decide that they're going to go by boat 
instead of by wagon. Yeah, because they because they, they can't yeah. get through. Yeah, because there's too too and, many too many opportunities to be you know of course stopped and raided and killed maybe killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but apparently Ohama is is the daughter of a boatman or something like that, so she knows how to use a boat, and she knows how to, you know, sail. Yeah. Not really sail, but you know what I mean. Uh, she knows how to use a boat, so they basically load up this boat, and they are going to make their way across, I don't know if it's a river. Maybe it's like a channel, a, a channel or something. A channel, yeah. something yeah. like that. Anywho, what's so cool about this whole sequence is of them on the boat on this uh, in the water is that it's done in a way where it's there's fog all the way around them so you feel as if like they are in like this like a mystical spooky yeah. scary place of of un you know uh, like a mysterious you know something mysteriously bad could happen at any point because they're just stuck in this fog and it creates a very eerie experience um, and while they're traveling across this water, uh, they come uh, like a, a boat ends up coming towards them, and there's this guy in there, and apparently he was attacked by pirates. Yeah, and he's like injured or whatever. He asks for some water, and then he just he just passes he, out and he dies. dies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, just in time to like, tell them hmm. that pirates are coming, and then he, yeah, like yeah. you watch out. He basically tells them, watch out for the pirates. And, and then, dead. and then he's like, he's like, and watch your women. They will kill. They will take your women. You know. Yeah. yeah. So they have to decide what what do we do here? Do we uh, <laughs> do we go forward or do we do something else? So they decide that they are going to leave uh, Miyagi and Junichi um, on on land, and so that they can like travel back to the mountain, you know, escape place or whatever. And then uh, Ohama, J- uh, Genjuro, and Tobe are going to go forward and. You know, I, I, I thought this was. I thought this was a terrible idea. Huh. I, it was a really shitty plan. <laughs> I mean, like, I you. mean, at least. But it's but it's it's a shitty plan. But it's 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 purposely bad for the plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's purposely bad because it shows that Genjuro shouldn't have done that. His first priority should be to protect his wife oh, yeah. and his son, yeah. but he's too blinded by selling these, these his stuff yeah. that he abandons them. Yeah. And that's a whole theme of the movie yeah. is is one of the many themes I think is is abandonment. Bl- blind, a- blind ambition is blind mm-hmm. ambition, abandonment, selfishness, greed, but also um, the idea of just men abandoning their responsibilities for their own personal gain, yeah. men abandoning. Uh, women because of their own you know you know masculine i gotta make money because making money is what makes me a man versus you know being a being an attentive father you know what i mean yeah. there's all kind of things like like that that really make that, that that's the reason why that that's in the movie yeah. you know what i mean of course it ends up going bad we'll get into that but yeah it's a shitty plan and then shitty on terrible purpose. plan God, I, was, I was just like i was like uh, i mean they're literally. He's. I mean, not even. Not even his neighbor's wife is staying behind. He's just leaving his uh, one. His wife and his son by themselves. Just in the countryside where you know that there are roaming. And they can't. And they can't even. And they can't even go back to their <laughs> own home. You know. No, they've got to like go through like secret mountain passes just to get back to where the other villagers are. And it. And. Yeah, it's like so super dangerous. I mean, like he's like, "I'll be back in ten days." <laughs> yeah, I'll sure. be back. I mean, shit. Even if you <laughs> gotta go, even bye. if you were back it's in like, seven days, doing? that would be like a long time without having like 
you know, knowing you're going to have food or knowing you're going to have a place to, to to sleep and like it's like yeah, and and this is and I mean we have to really emphasize this is like I said, 1500s, 1600s. This is super male dominated societies yeah. where the men are literally the key part of uh, these family units. They do everything because it's a male-dominated society. It's a patriarchy. And I think one of the themes of this movie is kind of showing, uh, you know, kind of critiquing the patriarchal society that exists, I would say, not only back then, but perhaps even in modern day when it comes to kind of abandoning responsibilities and stuff like that. And it's really interesting how how that's working because there's even one point, I believe, when those soldiers were, like, were raiding the village where they were taking they were taking a man from like his family and the wife was like we can't survive without him and in a, and in that societal way in the way that that hierarchy works that's true the men you know probably do all of the the most of the labor they make the money they get they get the the food they're the providers of the family yeah. and that's something that's been existing through generations generations whatever but specifically in the time in which this movie is depicting that's that's pretty damn true. So for the fact that Genjuro was like, oh, I'll just leave him, I'll just leave him here on the bank. They'll be fine. Gee. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh man. But so that's his. That's one of his many mistakes that he makes in this movie. Uh, and so he, so now he goes and he's selling his stuff. Yeah, we cut to a crowded stuff, market place. We cut to a crowded market. And apparently, his stuff is selling well. I guess. Yeah. Um, good for him. Well, good for him. Well, yeah, well enough to the point where like his buddy Tobe takes takes his share of the profits right away Jeez. and runs off. He's got to go buy. He's got to go buy his own. Yeah, he spear. runs off and his wife runs after him. And oh, but but we didn't. What we didn't mention earlier, I completely forgot this, is that initially after that first trip, he stayed behind. He didn't return home with Genjuro at the beginning of the movie. He stayed behind and he was trying to be he's trying to get hired by samurai and none of the samurai would take him seriously he because didn't have he armor. has no yeah. armor, no spear, and he's just a peasant and they just look down upon him. So now his whole goal is to get armor, get get armor, get a spear and get hired and whatnot. Um he basically wants to work as like their vassal or their not even squire, I mean, but whatever. I mean, it, it, it's another level of, of of these characters. You know, everything to them is about status. You know, they you right. know that he wants to have status. You know, and you need money to have status. Um, you know, very true. You know, and that's yeah, especially at this time where there's probably no social mobility whatsoever. I mean, he like if you're a farmer, you're a farmer. There's no, you're not all of a sudden going to become a samurai. I mean, Ganji says it at the beginning of the movie. He says, uh, you know, money is everything. He's like, he, yeah. I mean, it's. It's everything to to these two guys. I mean, specifically Ganji, but like the other guy, Tobey, um, is just obsessed with the status of it. He wants to be a samurai to to feel like he's empowered and that he he can be respected. Um, and yet again, he runs away. Yeah, and he abandons his wife once again. Yeah. He literally abandons her to a pretty bad fate. We'll get into that. But he runs away and. Um, he's gonna buy his armor, but while he's doing that, and yeah, he's also abandoning his friend. But anyway, yeah. he so but somebody comes along and buys a bunch of Genjuro's, uh stuff, buys like a, like, um, a, a, a sake, 
a, a like a sake bottle. They buy basically a set of dishes. Yeah, like it. a set of dishes, like a vase, all kind of stuff, and they want it. To, and it's this woman, uh, and this older woman, and basically they want it to be delivered to the. Uh, what's it called? Katsuki Mansion. I think it's called the Katsuki Mansion. Sounds about right. <laughs> I could be wrong, but and they want it. Uh, they want to deliver there, and but he but immediately he's transfixed by by the woman. Yeah, there's just something about her her that immediately lures him in, and he's just kind of like dumbfounded by her, and he decides and he's like, yes, yeah, of course I'll do that. I'll do that. So his friend, friend Jet's on him, going to go buy. First of all, the armor that he buys looks pretty shitty. Yeah. It's <laughs> it, definitely it's a breast, not. It's a small breastplate that doesn't really cover his chest, and it's like a like a like a like a moderate wooden spear, yeah. basically. I don't even know if it's a wooden spear, but it's a spear. And, and, and then, then he knocks he over. And then he knocks over their shop guy's like mannequin thing. Yeah, like a mannequin of armor, yeah. like big suit of armor that he put assembled. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it then cuts to Ohama and her being attacked by those men. I think that's. I, a, I think say that's a, it does. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because she's going to look for him and she can't find him, and because he's literally abandoned her, and she's out, kind of near the water, kind of outside of town, and she ends up getting attacked by a bunch of men who. Um, sexually assault her, rape her. Well, uh, they, they some random. They seem to be other the they, house. They they, find. Se- they seem to be samurais. Um, and uh, so it, it also gives you an idea that the the men that her husband wants to become are the men that end up raping her. Yeah, you know? that's very. That's an interesting connection. He's glorifying people he probably shouldn't be glorifying, yeah. but he doesn't know any better. Yeah. Because he's probably heard all these kind of cool legendary stories about, you know, warriors and samurai and all this kind of stuff, and he doesn't realize that 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 men can be, and we've seen it over the histories, inherently terrible (laughs) when it comes to their treatment of people, of women, of society in general, and this movie's kind of showing that that exists, and yeah, so she... So she, that that's where we leave her is she's kind of she's a fall she's literally physically abused mentally abused abandoned by her husband and that's where we leave her for a little while so now we cut back to uh, Genjuro and Genjuro's story is kind of the main center part of the movie I would say yeah yeah we spend a lot more time with him than I think anyone else so he's about to go deliver that order that we that we saw him take earlier. He's covering up. First of all, he's covering up his stuff, and he's talking to the guy next to him. He's like, "Hey, just go, just watch my stuff here. I gotta go make a delivery. My my partner should be back soon, you know, at any time. But we know that his partners are never coming yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting. He's just leaving all of his wares there, uh, hoping no one will steal them. Yeah. When all he's doing is covering it with some hay. Um, this doesn't seem like a time where people would be nice. No. <laughs> it seems like a desperate time full of desperate people trying to survive. Yeah. So his stuff is so it, either it shows his stupidity or naivete. Well, he's got he got he got some money, so he's he's now he's thinking about what am I going to buy next. So he 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 stops at that shop, you know, he stops at Oh, yeah, cuz yeah. he wants he looks at the kimonos. Yeah. 
because he already bought his wife uh, a nice kimono earlier in the movie, and he wants to buy her more stuff. Yet again, like greed, materialism. Well, he thinks those are the keys to happiness. It, it also, yeah, I was gonna say it also confirms how he views love. You know, like love is buying things for his wife. That's not what she needs from him. She needs his. She needs. She just needs him to be. There. Needs him to be there and needs <laughs> him to help raise his son. And and yeah, I mean it's. He has a, a distorted version of what love is. Yeah. yeah, and he has the whole like daydream fantasy sequence. Yeah. About you know oh that his wife's like looking at all these kimonos and she 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 loves them and like she loves him and all this kind of stuff and then and uh, what is interesting is that the the shopkeeper's like yeah you you're too you're you <laughs> you can't afford these and he's like yes I can I have the money and he pats the, his yeah. uh, change purse or whatever. So, but on his way to deliver this stuff, apparently those people just hung around, yeah. and they're and they and they're like, "Hey, we'll show you the way." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll show we'll show you the way to." Uh, yeah, it is called Katsuki Katsuki Manor or Mansion. Um, yeah, Katsuki Mansion. So he goes there, and how would you classify this whole sequence, Stephen? It's like a weird, surreal seduction. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like oh, they're just trying to lure him in to this place. They, they lure him in through, I don't even know the extravagance of it, but just the whole scenario of him just, like, being there, being just kind of, he's already enamored and, in like, enchanted by this woman, and she just, like, pulls him in the rest of the way. Yeah. And they they talk about uh, a little bit about the history of Kutsuki Mansion and her family, where where um, her servant, whose name I don't remember, um, that um, they're the only two survivors left after um, after like after like some some soldiers killed her whole family, um, and and basically her fa- her father's samurai. Um, uh, armor's still there, but she also like his spirit is also living throughout the house as well. <laughs> he sings when she starts dancing. It's a weird, surreal sequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if and if I and if I were again, Jero, I would have gotten the hell out of there. Y- but yeah, he, he his mind is is already uh, you know deep. In I the mean, mud. it's it's what it feels. It's a scene where it's like you feel that. He is about to get over, like these the, the, these people are gonna overwhelm him, um, and they're gonna take full and like they're, they're just gonna push him around and take full advantage of him because basically they 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 um they buy the dishes from they buy all that stuff from him and then they then show him they show him dishes that all his dishes than what he was selling, um by the way yeah 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 and he he remarks that they look. They look so much better than, yeah. Like, well, the, the, the thing is, is that before, like, it, yeah. because they fought, they found such a luxurious, luxurious home, yeah, with 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 you know a noble woman, um, and he's like, you know, all of my, well, you know, all of my works are like, you know, my like children, my children yeah. basically, yeah. um, yeah, and that was because that was an interesting thing I noticed was that you know we know what his pottery looks like. But then when yeah, but it doesn't look like that. Does, yeah, and, and then when she says, "Hey, this is," he's like, "Wait, these are mine." And it's, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, they're not. But that's the point: is that he looks at things are distorted. You know, this whole this yeah. whole this whole this whole place is, is, is a distorted yeah. 
you know, reality. Um, and what's so cool when watching this movie for the first time, I feel like going in, this is one of those movies where I think going into it, knowing the least amount possible, specifically, uh, you know, the twist, if you will, is, is the best. Is and better. that's how I went in. That's how, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just not knowing it because there's nothing that really gives it away right away. Everything just feels such as like a, okay, we're watching a surreal Japanese movie. You know, you know, there are many surreal Japanese movies. There's nothing real, you know, even with the whole supernatural thing where like, yeah, my father's spirit haunts this house. But like the way in which they set it up makes sense. Oh, he was, you know, he's a, he was murdered. So he's like a vengeful spirit. Okay. Yeah. That kind of makes sense of, you know, considering what, where we are. I mean, and they're all, and they, they're constantly referencing like spiritual realms. Um, they reference Buddha a lot yeah, in the yeah. movie, and there's a lot of spiritualness when it comes to Buddha. Um, but yeah, so they have this kind of, and then she basically says that uh, they're gonna they're, that they're gonna get married, <laughs> and that they he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be hers forever, and he's in he's in he's on a he's a fish on a hook that's been reeled in already. And he has, like, I don't know how much time lapses, but it's a, it's a little bit amount of time. Because the next day he wakes up and he's like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she's like, oh, I, you know, silly. What do you, you know where you are and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're, we're married and all the, and whatnot. And she like bathes him in like the warm springs and they have like a lovely a lovely like a picnic, uh, picnic yeah. by the water. It's all bliss, Stephen. It's all yeah, it's happy amazing. times. Oh, it's amazing. And let's cut back to reality yeah, for a yeah. second here. Let's bring it. Let, let's 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 bring it back to harsh reality. Back to um, his wife and child, Miyagi and Jinichi, and they made it back home. I think. Or they made it someplace. Well, they, they, but they, they, it, they've got they've got to leave though. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, yeah, they're, you see them, they hide out. Yeah, you see them walking on a path, and then they get attacked. She gets attacked. Um, yeah. Well, what happens is I think like they like doesn't some elderly woman like helps them escape because like soldiers are like raiding everywhere looking for food and stuff, and they can't find any um, until they find like a pot of rice, and then they just like fight over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just shows like the this desperation of just you know, you know, it just. Just the desperation and just kind of the animal instinct of men where they'll kill each other for food and they'll kill each other over this and that. And also shows like what we what we also see, which the film really doesn't emphasize a lot on, is, you know, these, these guys went to war and, and war typically is considered a man-made thing. You know, men seem to be the ones who go to war a lot. I'm just going by sure. general historical history, just huge umbrella terms here. Of course, women have gone to war. Of course, w- women have started wars, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying in in thematic generalities here. Um, and now that like like the war, they've either it, I think we get the idea that they've lost the war, or they and these men are just roaming the hills, just un like doing nothing. They're just desperate, like nothing people with no purpose. Even though they they signed up for a war that they've that they've gotten themselves into. You know what I mean? It just feels very baseline like that. But anywho, Janichi and 
Miyagi have to escape this this woman's this elderly woman says here I can get you out of here and they and this is where Steven said that they are on this road and they get attacked they get they get basically get attacked by a bunch of men who are just they're just like they're like they're not even like like aggressively like doing stuff they almost seem like zombies the way they're walking and the way they're acting they just seem like desperate zombies roaming the countryside. Yeah. And what happens is well, they just Miyagi want, they, gets... They just want yeah, her food. They just want her food. And what happens is she ends up getting stabbed. Yeah. And she gets stabbed, and she's on the ground. She gets up. She walks a little bit, falls down, gets up. She walks a little bit, and then it, and then it cuts to, to another scene. So we don't know in that moment what happened to her. Yeah. But we do know later on. Yeah, we do know later on. Um, uh, so now we now now we now we cut to Tobey. We get a little update. What he's he he apparently has found himself. Speaking of war, he's in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's on the battlefield, and it looks like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No, he's probably just <laughs> hiding out as much as he can. Yeah, he's hiding in foxholes, like hiding behind trees. He's got a spear, but he doesn't know what he's doing because he's got, from what we understand, he has no training. Yeah. He's got no military background, no nothing. He's just playing make-believe, for the lack of a better term. And what ends up happening is he's hiding out, and he sees um, this general get beheaded. And these guy, and someone like is going to take this guy's like head as a trophy. And he goes up behind him and stabs him and takes it for himself. Which I mean, God, it's gutless. Opportunistic, gutless. <laughs> opportunistic, so gutless. <laughs> yeah, really, the right place, at the right time, I guess. So he picks it up, brings it back to town, and he's like, "Hey, I killed. You know, look what I did. I, I killed General whatever his name was, this great general." And then this, <laughs> I guess, this samurai's there is like they don't even. I they guess don't, you did. They don't even believe that he did it, but they gave him. All, they don't, but they're like, "All right, we'll I guess get, you did." We'll give you a reward anyway. <laughs> what do you want? And he's like, oh, he wants he wants armor, he wants vassals. Basically, he wants the stature that he's craved so far. So then we get him, like, walking, like, strutting down the street, like John Travolta in Saturday yeah, Night Fever, yeah. with all of his homies. Sure. Just behind him, like, holding his horse and all this kind of stuff. And um, and then this woman stops them. I guess she runs the local... Brothel. Uh, what would you say? Brothel. Yeah. yeah, that's the word. Yeah. She's like, you know, you, you know, you and your soldiers stop here. Don't go any further, and all this stuff. And then, and then, and then he's like, oh, I guess you know they've deserved it, so they might as well stop, stop by. You know, it's on me, basically. Uh, <laughs> and, and so they're all hanging out at this brothel with the women and the sake and the stuff and all this kind of stuff. Um, come to find out, his wife's working there as a prostitute. Yeah, she's like the best one Ohama. too, right? She's, yeah. yeah, and what happens is like I guess somebody was trying to run out on her, like not like not pay, yeah. and then she's like chasing, she's chasing him, and then she's grabbing him, and then like and then they eventually get the money from him, and then she turns around and who's standing there? It's Tobey with all of his armor and he's got a, he's got the cool hair now with the with the stuff. He's looking like Tashera Mafune or whatever, <laughs> and and. He like, wishes. He wishes. Yeah, he wishes. Well, the thing is, he wishes he was to share him a yeah, phone. Right. Um, and but like he's like dumbfounded to see her there. Absolutely dumbfounded, shocked. It's like he forgot that he had a wife. It's like he forgot that she existed. What is interesting is though, 
uh, right before that is he was talking about like how he was on his way home to see her. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, God, you just left her in the middle of nowhere. Where? How do you? Where do you think happened to her? Yeah. Yet again, it just shows this absent-minded, reckless thought process, and just you know, selfish abandonment of of men with their responsibilities. Yeah. Like he assumed that. Oh, yeah. She she found her way home. Yeah. Um, it's like, what are you, what are you thinking? But anywho, it's like she's become a fallen woman now, and that's where this whole idea of of uh, Mizuguchi's um, uh, film series about fallen women and stuff like that, and and even Life of Oharu is about a pro, uh, was about a fallen woman. Um, it's really fascinating how he's touching on that. He's also touching on a part of how prostitution, I believe was something that a lot of women fell into because of war, because of wars, where their men would probably go off and fight and die, or as we saw in this movie, the soldiers would come in and take the men, and then women would uh, have to fall into, hence the name fallen women, fall into being prostitutes in order to survive financially yeah. or, you know, have a place to live. Well, I mean, so, like some that. of it is probably also, uh, um, you know, kind of a... Uh, a religious somewhat i mean like the fact that you know a woman during this time gets raped she finds that she's not um she's ruined you know yeah she did say that yeah Uh, this idea of kind of losing one's grace or something like that and that Um, no man's gonna want to marry her now so she might as well you know or that even her husband will want nothing to do with her now yeah there's even that that idea yeah um, so, but what happens is they, is like, she tries to run away from him and then he chases after her and they end up basically reconciling. Yeah. Yeah. They end up reconciling. Not, not fully at that, at this point. At that moment. But, but, but she, they're on their, on their way to it. Um. Right. But we cut back. So now, to, we cut back to, to Genjiro and he's back in town, back in town and he's, and he, he, I forgot, isn't he selling stuff? I get, I think again. Um, yeah, he, yeah. He's selling yeah. his stuff, and he buys he buys the kimonos he was going to buy for his wife. He buys it for, I guess, his new wife yeah. in quotes. <laughs> in uh, in uh, what's her name? Her name is uh, Lady Wakasa. I want to say her name is. Let me let me actually look that up because um, that's important. So he's buying. Yeah, he's buying her. Yeah, Lady Wakasa. Uh, he's buying. He buys her some stuff, but as he's leaving, uh, you know, you know what's crazy? He's buying it, and then he says, "Hey, can you deliver them to uh, Kutsuki Mansion?" And then the guy's like, "What?" Huh? <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, uh, "Just take the stuff, keep your money, just get out of here." Yeah. So uh, he doesn't think anything like, like it, well, anything of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I would have asked. I would have asked some follow-up yeah, questions. Yeah, me too. Like, but uh, then again, this is the same guy that left his wife on a beach. You're in a war, so very true. So. And he's fallen in love with some woman he's just met in yeah, at, and lives in a mansion with her now. Yeah. So gotta take gotta take that. So he so as he's leaving town to go back to the mansion, he runs into what I assume is some type of holy man or wizard or whatever. <laughs> His hairstyle. <laughs> did you see the getup he was wearing? He did look like a he did look like a wizard. Yeah, Japanese samurai <laughs> wizard. It's pretty cool actually. But I mean, uh, yeah, it was actually pretty cool. His headpiece was quite yeah, extravagant. Yeah. But I think he's like a the guy's like a priest or yeah, something yeah. like that, like a Buddha priest or a Buddhist priest or something like that. Um, um, but he's like. 
hey, there's a there's a there's an aura of death around you. You got to come back to my place. I got to talk to you. I need to check you out. You know. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, you don't you got some there's some bad mojo happening around you, my friend. We got to see we got I got to talk to you. So he brings him there and he basically tells him, yeah, there's just this aura of death around you that's basically, you know, sucking the life out of you, you know, there's just a bad stuff happening around you. And then he basically explains to him what's going on. Yeah. And and he what he ends up doing is what we see revealed in like the next scene is he paints like these Buddhist prayers on his body, like all over his body to protect him from these kind of evil spirits that 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 are attacking him. And so he goes back to to Lady Wasaka, to Katsuki Mansion, and he and we have this whole kind of revelatory scenario that happens where we find out that Lady Wakasa and her her servant woman are spirits. Yeah. They are not living. They are essentially ghosts. They don't really use the term ghosts, but they're ghosts. Yeah. And he what is interesting is that the he doesn't like he freaks out, but he also resists, I think, freaking out fully. Cause I feel like he's trying to like he wants to be there, but he knows he can't be there. And like he feels bad. Yeah. And what I also learned in that scene, I don't know if you picked up on this, Steven, is when, you know, he's lying on the ground and and his shirt's off and we see all the prayers written on him and the the servant woman is basically telling him this whole you know, this whole story about what happened is that Lady Wakasa and her whole family were murdered and Lady Wakasa never got to basically live a life a full life. Yeah. Or at least live a life that had, you know, love in it. You know, she was never able to fall in love and be happy and all this kind of stuff. So in a way, they've come back to the living world in order to fulfill that. But now that plan's kind of gone aside. So what is kind of interesting is typically when I've noticed this, when we get movies that depict spirits or ghosts or stuff like that, they're usually like, um, you know, malevolent. They're usually bad. But I don't get that fully here. I don't know if you picked up on that. Um, I, I didn't. Re- well, I guess I didn't pick up on it in, in a. It's not a, a salacious, um, you know, type of uh, evil. You know, it's not like um, they're they can physically harm him. It seems, um, but it does seem that it is. I, I would say that it still is kind of evil. It's it's because <laughs> they basically well, I mean, lured. They basically yeah. enchanted. Yeah, him. they lured him in and and like. Lied to they kind of casted a spell on him. him. I mean, it's I mean, yeah, in a way, but it's all, but it's done to. But it's done. But well, uh, I mean, think flip of, side think, is, think about it, is that there's it, a parallel. It's done just to like feel love. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, weird. it's a parallel to his own story. You know where hmm. you could say you know he's doing the things he does. He says out of love, but it's not really. It's more about selfishness. Just like right. this this lady yeah you know she she yeah that's true. you know it's all about a selfish need for love for her um you know and i mean it it kind of that's the parallel with them characters i think and it also reminds him what what you know his wife wanted out of him was just to be there and to be loved yeah, yeah. what is interesting is that yeah that this ghost person just wants like like love and a 
happy life. And he had that already. Yeah. To a certain extent. If we're just going on that basis of like a wife, uh, a, you know, a loving wife, a child, you know, stuff like that. But the oh, reason, but the, but the reason he's there is because of, you know, what he, what he could, he, he that wasn't enough. For it him, wasn't enough. Clearly. I mean, like he, it's, it was all the, uh, all the other things that made him get lured in, which was like, you know, that he thought she was very beautiful and that, you know, this, you know, the place that they lived was very beautiful and like, it wasn't about uh, the connection with the person, um, you know, and that's what he, I think finds out by the by this moment that and gets guilty about you know well he also feels super guilty because he tells her that i have i'm already married i have i have a wife i have a child i'm sorry i lied to you so i think that guilt sure is there too but i think he also feels the guilt of like we said before of abandoning them yeah uh for for this lie of a life that he's living yeah or trying to live at the moment but what is it what happens is he he grabs a samurai sword um, that's from like her father's armor, and then he's like swinging it around, and then, and then he he leaves the mansion, and then he passes out right outside the mansion. Yeah. And he wakes up the next day. A bunch of um, soldiers like uh, they accuse him of stealing the the sword from some type of museum that's by that's nearby. But he's like, "What are you talking about? I got it from Kutsuki Mansion." It's and he's like, and the guys are like, they all laugh at him like. Man, Katsuki Mansion, we're here already. The place is a hovel. It was, it was destroyed years ago. And then, so they, they, they take his money, coincidentally, <laughs> and then they just leave him. They're like, hey, if this was normal times, we'd probably arrest you. But hey, <laughs> it's not normal times. He, so he they must just take, be crazy. He must be crazy. Yeah. They take his sword, <laughs> and they take his money, and then and then he goes and walks back, and the mansion does is not yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's... It's just just burned pieces of wood. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's just pieces of wood. There's not even not even a skeleton of a house. It's nothing there, but he hears the voice of the woman, of what Lady Wakasa, uh, talking to him, and basically, just like, hey, we we could have had like a great life and all this kind of stuff and and whatnot, and and that's it, and he basically he returned, so he leaves there. I think this is when we cut back to uh, the other two. Um... And that, and uh, Tobey's throwing his yeah, stuff he, in the water. Yeah, he's throwing all his what a dumb yeah, shit. <laughs> throwing all his gear into the river and and, and I'm like, know. dude, you could sell that and make yeah. some money. What are you doing? He, he's special. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of dumb, but yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, they're throwing it in. He's like, yeah, my life as a samurai is over and all this kind of stuff. It's a quick scene. It's a really quick. She's scene like, just you're to gonna his... work hard now. You're, now you're working. You're not hard. gonna bitch yeah, out. No. You ain't bitching out again. Yeah, you're working for the weekend now. Um, and what happens is, so Genjuro return, returns home and he's looking for his wife and, and Junichi. And he's in there and they're waiting for him. Yep. And they, they, he arrives late at night and he, um, he, he, they're sitting by, his son is sleeping, but he's sitting by, but her, his wife is like, making something over the fire or whatever at their old home and and he, like he holds his son he's so happy to be home Stephen, you're watching this for the first time oh my goodness she survived oh she's 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 okay she guess that stab wound wasn't as bad as we thought oh what a big happy ending oh it's all so yeah. lovely uh so he falls asleep 
next to his son. Uh, she sits by the fire. She's sewing the kimono that I believe she got earlier in the movie. And then the next morning happens and things aren't as they seem. Yeah, some neighbors come by to to Yeah, it's like the head of the like the head chief of the uh of the of the the village and then some other people walk uh, come in and they're like uh yeah, Steve, you can go. They're yeah, like, oh, I mean the, they, they, wait, they, they're the kid like, just like, the kid left last night. Well, they, yeah. It's it's them first meeting up with him for the first time and you know, he's like, you know, they're coming to check on the boy because they, you know, that yeah, because he left, he just chief, left the, in the middle of the night. The chief, well, the chief has been taking care of him because what we find out is, is his wife's been dead for a while. Um, yeah, what we learn, and yeah, because he's like, he looks for Miyagi, he's like Miyagi, like just to get her because you know they're here, and then, she, and then, the, the the chief says, you know, she was killed by soldiers. Yeah. She's been gone for a while. I've been taking care of the boy myself. Um, he's been staying in my home. And he's dumbfounded, and he he doesn't even mention that he saw her the previous night. One, I don't think they'd believe him. <laughs> yeah. um, they probably think he was, you know, probably crazy. Um, and and the and what is interesting is, and it's a really sad ending. Damn, it's a pessimistic ending. <laughs> Damn, it's sad. Well, I mean, his and, wife and is I, dead. And I'll say this, even though even though it was my first time watching it, I kind of. I mean, I kind of assumed he, she was dead anyway. So the way right. that the scene is set up at the end where like he kind of goes through the house and doesn't see anything and then it kind of does this like like pan shot and then suddenly yeah. the great great cinematography. Yeah, suddenly the inside of the house is kind of a little bit more like put together and, and there she is. And I'm like, "Man, this is this is a ghost. So this is a dream. This is a dream <laughs> or a ghost." And like I'm like, "This isn't real." So I picked It was another I picked up yeah. on it. So yeah, there was another great pan shot earlier in the movie um, when he is at uh, Kutsuki Mansion with Le- with Lady um, Wakasa, and they're in that like that spring tub thing, and like she like, and he's sitting there, and then she like takes off his clothes. T- she takes off her clothes, and she's we assume she's gonna get in the water with them. We don't see it; it's kind of cut off frame for yeah, obvious yeah. reasons. And then the camera just keeps panning left. Just keeps panning and panning, yeah. and then it pans right into them having that picnic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Near the water, like I said, and I'm like, and there's just a subtle, subtle dissolve transition right there, and it's like, damn, that's that's some beautiful cinematography, mm-hmm. some beautiful editing. Um, but yeah, it's it's, and the movie ends with, um, basically he does hear uh, Miyagi's spirit talk to him. And I think she says like I uh, like basically I'm always with you or I'll always be with you. And stuff like that, and um, the movie ends with him. He's continuing his pottery, he's continuing working, and he's you know raising his son. And her grave is right there, and like the son offers food to her grave, and because apparently the grave is literally right next to the house. Yeah. Um, kind of morbid. Uh, but yeah, and then that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a scene there right at the end where he's at, where he, when he finds out that she's dead, there's a scene of him at her grave, um, like talking to her spirit and stuff like that. It's it's a really bitter, bitter, bitter ending. But I was gonna say bittersweet. I don't know about the sweet. I, part. I don't know if there's a lot of sweetness, but you you They're get the, you get the impression end. that he's <laughs> um, he's maybe he's definitely had a change. 
Um, you know, he he's making us pottery at the end, and his son before they they get this food that he offers to the grave. You can see him kind of like sitting sitting with his son. His son's doing something. You can tell he's engaging with his son a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, working the kiln. Yeah, he's working the kiln to make more pottery and stuff. And he, but what is so sad I find about it is he had it all and didn't realize it. Yeah, and I think that's such a universal message that I think a lot of people don't um, don't you know don't understand today that they that they they want more. Even though they already probably have well, that's what they need. What, what's the, you know? What yeah. I mean? What's the saying? You know, like uh, think. You know, uh, be aware of what you have, and not you know, like I'm trying trying to think of the right phrase. But there's you know, it's like be yeah. be be you know, like grateful. grateful for what you have. You know, be you know, stop being. You know, our culture is the way it's set up. A lot is just about propelling ourselves to want more and to want things. Yes. To want things. When we, we and but we can't we, we're not thinking about and being thank, thankful for what we have, and sometimes there's you need to decide that you have enough, you know like I don't need anything else, you know, and uh, it's but that's just what it's a struggle we have as humans, is to always want more things, um, and uh, that's I think where our character you know I think maybe hopefully matured at the end, and is you know gonna focus on his his kid and. You know, sur- you know, surviving for his kid, and and uh, but we won't know because that's where the movie ends. That's <laughs> where the movie yeah, ends. Yeah. But it, yeah, like I said, this, you know, man, it, it's such a you feel ba- like you feel bad for him because you you almost want to like assess your own life and like maybe I am this guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes I do do stuff that. Is, is only in self-interest, you, you know. That's not only self-interest, but like you're, like I said, that like you're not grateful for what you have, so and you're always looking for something more. You know what I mean? It, it, it's an interesting self-evaluating film, um, but it, I think it's a great film. It is. I think it, it's really it's, good. Like I said, it's it's very concise. Yeah. It's ninety. What is it? Ninety-five minutes long, and it's, but every scene pushes the thing forward, and we kind of went over everything, and it's it's not a, it, but there's so much packed into ninety-five minutes. It's it's I don't give a lot of five stars, but this was a five star movie for me. Yeah, um, it's a five star for me too. Yeah. This was coincidentally the third time I've seen it, um, and it's still a five star for me, just because it still holds up, because those themes are so so those themes are still so so strong. Yeah. Um, and I just love the performances, and yeah, I just think it's a really great film, and I think it gets lost sometimes. I think not only in Japanese cinema, but even in the cinema of Kenji Mizuguchi because Kenji Mizuguchi like I said passed away you know relatively young yeah you know like like you know half a century ago even longer than that um and I think he's a really great really great uh a filmmaker and director that I want to get more of his stuff from just to add to my personal collection just to kind of you know tie it into ch- chasing labels <laughs> I I I'm a, I would assume that Criterion has a lot of his stuff, but he does have a lot of credits to his name. Uh, that's the one thing that I noticed too about Mizuguchi is that he has 99 directorial credits wow. on, according to IMDb, um, and a lot of them are, sh- yeah, actually not a lot of them. Many of them are shorts, but many of them look like features. Okay. Yeah, his career stemmed all the way from 1923 to 
1956. Wow. That's he did a lot in a small amount of time. Yes. So very prolific. Um, so yeah, I mean, to put a to put a cap on this, it was it, it was a a, ple- a pleasant surprise of a movie for me. First time watching it, I loved it, and uh, I am excited to get to to get into more Mizuguchi, and um, we will definitely do that going forward with our new podcast. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll go over some releases of his at some point. Um, but. That is the end of this uh, episode of Cinema Discovery Project. Uh, where can we find you, Andrew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Stephen Billings or Cinema Discovery Project. I might change that to ch- Chasing Labels, um, you know, just to, just to match up with the new podcast. Um, also, you can find me on um uh, uh, letterboxed at Cinema Discovery and you can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean and uh, Apple Podcasts thank you once again for listening and hey, keep on watching them movies I know I will <laughs>